Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Good to see you guys today. Everybody excited about being in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Good to have you guys with us. If you're a guest with us or first time, first time in a long time, I'm Daniel Mosley. I'm one of the pastors here. A privilege to be able for us to dive into this discussion together today. And as you can see by the title and the graphic on the screen here, we're talking about happily ever after. We're diving into a new series and I can see the women in the room. This is one of those like, finally, right? And you kind of elbow your man like, hey, pay attention because we're going to be talking about relationships, right? And then the men have already been giving me the stink eye. And they're like, oh, and I was just starting to like this guy. And now he's going to go and drag this stuff out here, right? And so I understand. Listen, listen, fellas. Let, let me just, my wife is making me do this, okay? We, we still good? We still good? And so we're diving into this subject, and we're talking about relationships. And let me just kind of overgeneralize. Let me stereotype. And so don't get offended. Don't throw rocks or tomatoes or whatever you got in your purse, ladies. I'm about to overgeneralize and stereotype men and women for just a moment, okay? Let me just tell you, when, when, when we see this, and if you're a man in the room, you probably felt a little bit like this, is like when you think about relationships, and now we're going to talk about this relationship series, something happens in our brain. It's kind of a disconnect, like, oh, man. And so let me just give you a good analogy if you're a woman and you want to understand how your man's probably thinking at the moment. Let me give you an analogy, all right? So this is the way that men think about relationships is much like how you would think about a car, okay? Let me, let me explain here. It'll be on the screen here for you. So Men think about relationships much like how you would think about a car. The reality is, is that we don't want to work on it. If you're a woman, you probably don't want to work on it. You just want it to work, right? And so you want the ability to get in your van or your car or whatever it is that you drive, and you don't want to think about the mechanics. You don't want to think about what's happening underneath the hood. You want to press the accelerator, throw it in drive, and then you want to head to wherever you're headed to. And you don't want to think about... Is it going to work? You don't want to work on it. You just want it to work. And this is how men think about our relationships, right? And so when we think about this idea of relationships, we don't want to maintain it. We don't want to have to make it work. We just want it to work. And so when you have that conversation, honey, we need to have a talk. Let's, where are we? Where are we at, right? Let's talk about our relationship, right? When we say things like that, something happens in your man's mind, and it's a trigger, and it actually takes him back to something when he was a boy, right? And so when you say, let's talk about our relationship, he thinks, oh, no, here we go. She's got, there's something wrong with me, and she's got a five-point plan on how she's going to fix it right? And triggers on the inside of us take us back to boyhood when we had a little dog and the dog got taken away and he got fixed, right? And, and so in your mind, the dog comes back, got the cone on the head. Men don't want to be fixed, right? We want no part of that. And so when we think about these conversations about relationship, we're better suited just saying, ah, you know, we're good. We're okay. We don't need to have this conversation. It's, again, a lot like this car analogy. And so maybe you're driving down the road and you're riding with your family or your husband's driving and you got the kids in the car and, and you're headed somewhere and your husband says to you, honey, can you hear that? Like, shh, shh, shh. like turn, the, turn the radio down. Turn the radio. Can you hear that? And she's like, I, 
I don't hear any. No, there's a rattle. Do you hear? There's a knocking. Do you hear? Listen, listen. Come on. Be quiet. Be quiet. And she's like, I don't hear. Just turn the radio back up. I don't hear anything. And before you know it, he's changed, making you drive, and now he's trying to figure all this stuff out. This is how your man thinks about talking about relationships. And I know I'm generalizing. It's the same way that you would think about your automotive, about your car. You just want it to work. You don't want to have to spend the time talking about it. Maybe it's you look outside and you see your guy, he's got the car and the, and the, and the lot and the driveway, and he's got the hood open, right? And you're thinking, he doesn't know anything about cars. What is he doing underneath? This is my wife looking at me, right? He doesn't know anything about cars. What is he doing? Honey, is everything okay? Everything... Yeah, baby, it's, and we're just checking on it. You know, we're just checking, make sure everything's good. We're just checking on it, right? She's like, listen, unless we're broken down on the side of the road, do we really need to check on it? Unless we're broken down on the side of the road, do we really need to check on it? And he's like, I got it. Now you've given me some language. When we're talking about our relationships, unless we're broken down on the side of the road, do we really need to talk about it? And the answer, of course, is, yeah, we do. But it takes us into that place. It's like, ah, I don't know. I, you know, we're okay with where we are. And we kind of just want to chill out right there. But the reality is we need to talk about it. And so that's what we're doing inside of this series is we are talking about our relationships we're talking about our marriages. And so no matter where you are, right, whether you're single in the room or whether you're engaged in the room or whether you've been married for 150 years, this is for you. And this will help you as we talk about marriages and we're talking about relationships here. And so that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We're going to dive into this subject. And so I want to have some fun with it. I want us to, to kind of uh, to, to, to go through some humorous pieces because all of our relationships are just kind of full of little pieces of story. We're going to share some of those in this series. Before we do that, let me just kind of find out where we are. Let me find out where you are in the room. And so how many of you in your life right now, you are not married? Would you do me a favor? Would you raise wow. up your hands? Okay. Yeah. I, I, it's okay, Ethan, go ahead. Take a good look around, man. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. <laughs> How many of you have been married for 12 months or less, okay? 12 months or less. Look, take a look around the room. You guys, 12 months or less? I know we have a few more that just aren't here with us today. So congratulations. Let's applaud these guys. Still newly married, newly wed. Surprised you guys even left the house to come out and be here today. Glad you guys are here. We're going to have some fun with this. How many of you have been married for more than one year? More than one year. Okay, all right. Suckers, got you. Keep your hands up for a minute, okay? So keep your hands up until you no longer have been married that long. How many of you have been married five years? Five years. Take a look around. See where we're at in the room today. How many of you have been married for 10 years? Oh, come on. Come on. 10 years. Wow. How many of you have been married 15 years? 15 years. Wow. 20 years. Anybody 20 years? Okay. Let's see where we're at. Okay. 25 years. Anybody at 25 years? All right, now we got a good competition going on, right? 
All right, 30 years? Are you at 30 years? Man, come on. 35 years. 40 years. 40 years. There we are right there. Dave and Carol. How many years have you guys been married? 42 years. Man, you guys, all of you who've been doing this longer than I have, you're my heroes. You're my role models. Thank you. Thank you for proving the point that we can actually do this happily ever after thing, man. In the day we live in, 42 years, 30 plus years, you guys, 40, (laughs) you might not ever see 42, bro. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you, Dave. I'm so sorry. So Jacqueline and I, we've been married 11 years now, 12 years uh, coming in June. And let me just tell you, as we're diving into this series, I feel so unqualified. Because you guys could stand up here and you could teach me. And I really mean this. Like, I watch you and I observe you and your relationships. And I'm taking little nuggets and I'm like, oh, man, that's good. Now, Dave, I hope I don't forget But I'm taking little nuggets from you guys, and you could be up here. Jacqueline and I have been married 11 years, and I by no means, in fact, I told Jacqueline, I was like, I'm wrestling with this tension of being qualified to be able to share this. But the reality is, is that this is a subject that we need to talk about as a church body. And so we've been married 11 years, and and I I would venture to say we have a pretty successful marriage. We're still in love. We love one another. We honor one another. We've had some little things along the way that we've had to work through, as many of you can attest to in your own relationship. And we have a family of four kids now. Life is crazy, but a lot of fun, right? And so I want to pull some context from my own relationship, but some of it I'm I'm also just know that as a pastor, I've been around a lot of marriages. I've I've officiated a lot of weddings. I've done a lot of premarital counseling. I've sat with some of you in this room, and we've talked about marriage. We've talked about relationship, as well as just, you know, academics and resources. And so I'm going to pull to the best of my ability, and I hope you'll be gracious with me as we talk about this subject, not from a position of knowing it all, but can we work on it together? Can we do that together? All right, thank you. Thank you, guys. And so when we're going through this, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about God's view, because we are believers. You're part of a church. You came into a church today. God's view on marriage. In fact, God's design of marriage. We're going to go to the Bible, lean to the Bible a lot about what God says about the context of marriage. But today, today, here's what we're going to do. Today, we're really establishing Really, the next few minutes are really just an introduction. They're going to be an introduction to this subject matter. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and give you spoiler alert, okay? So when you're watching a good movie and it's kind of a three-part deal or so, and you kind of get to the end of it and what happens, it just leads you right in that moment. Like, you want resolve. You want resolution. You want the tension to be fixed in that moment, and they just leave you hanging. Spoiler alert. Today, I'm just going to leave you hanging. A lot of times we try to bring it all together, package it, put a bow on it, and let you walk out of here feeling like, okay, I get the whole picture of it. But this is such a dynamic that we cannot do that today, okay? So this is an introduction. We're going to establish it. We're going to highlight the tensions. We're going to kind of create this atmosphere, this environment, and pull out some of the dynamics that if you've been married for any length of time, you've experienced what I'm talking about here today, okay? And so as we talk about marriage, as we dive into the idea of it, every place and every person 
comes to it with this vision of what it's going to be like. And for many, and again, not to over-stereotype, but for many of you ladies, you probably started dreaming about that wedding day, that moment, standing at that altar, right? It didn't even matter who the guy was going to be at that moment, but you knew what your dress was going to look like, right? You knew what flowers are going to be there. You knew who was going to be in the wedding. You probably even had the songs picked out, the venue, location. You've been clipping out a bridal magazine since you were like seven or eight years old. You have preconceived ideas of what that day was going to be like, right? Now, fellas, we could, you know, fast forward through all of that stuff, and we could kind of hit the honeymoon, right? Right? And that's where our mind goes with the relationship. Maybe it even goes into what it's like to be a man, take care of responsibilities. We all come into those relationships with this vision of what it's going to be like. And somewhere along the way, the chances are we've kind of bought into this fairy tale mentality, right? I've seen other marriages. I've seen other relationships, and, you know, they got some rough spots, but me, when we do this, it's going to be happily ever after, right? I've seen the Disney pictures, and they live happily ever after, right? And so we go into this relationship with these kind of expectations, and something happens along the way, right? Life happens, bumps and bruises and things that we never expected to happen seem to come out of left field, and they catch us off guard, and we feel beaten up and knocked back, and something happens, and in our mind, we begin saying, well, this ain't the fairy tale that I signed up for. What am I into now? Until death do us part, are you serious? Right? And so this fairy tale mentality begins to diminish pretty quickly when we see that marriage actually becomes work, something that we have to talk about, something that we have to engage in, and that we have to plow through some things sometimes. You're falling in love, right, that's the easy one. That's the no-brainer. Like, there is one requirement for falling in love. You got a pulse, you can fall in love. You got a heart beating in your chest, got blood flowing through your veins, right? That's the only prerequisite for falling in love. But staying in love, that's the real challenge, isn't it? Do you ever wonder, do you ever look at the culture around us, do you ever experience it even in your own marriage and relationship and wonder, are we going to make it? Can we stay in love? Is this even possible for us to do? And like in the day that we live in, right, and, and, and you see this and you see the, the match.coms or the singles or what have you that's all marketed towards us, right? Love is big business these days. There's more ways to fall in love than there ever has been before. I just did some stat research coming into this and the best I could find, there's now in America alone, there's about 2,500 of these matchmaking services that are provided. It's crazy. Marriage and love is a commodity that's being sold to us and it's being marketed to us. Why? Because it's a desire that we have in our heart. But sometimes, sometimes we go into it with kind of the wrong picture of it. And so when we get in the thick of it, when we're not prepared for what's coming, you know the statistics. You've heard the stats thrown out to you before. It's almost 50% of them. They tank. They crash and burn. They don't make it. They experience the dreaded D word, don't they? And they head before a judge, and the judge figures out how to split their lives apart, and it becomes this messy chaos. And so they experience divorce. And so is it possible? Is it possible 
for us to have the happily ever after? And I would say, absolutely. I am a romantic in my heart. I'm an optimist in my heart. And I'm experiencing it. And you've been married for 42 years and 30 plus years. And it doesn't mean it doesn't, it may not fit the exact mold that you had inside of you. But the reality is, it is possible. And that's the hope that we all cling to. It's possible, but there are some conditions. There are some if we would do these things, then we would experience the happily ever after. And so that's the goal of what we're talking about in this series. And I want to set this up, and I want to create some tensions, and I want to bring some things out that oftentimes come up as I'm going through marriage counseling with someone, usually in a premarital counseling type environment. And so let me set this up for you, that we all have, we all have an invisible box, okay? Every one of us have an intangible box that we can't see, but it exists. And inside of this box, we carry this box, and inside of this box are our hopes and our dreams and our desires. Every one of us have one, but very few of us pay attention to what's inside of the box, and yet we all come into the relationship carrying this invisible box that's full of our hopes, our dreams, and our desires. And so let me just kind of show you a little bit of what is inside of here as we begin to dive in this to this together. And I, I hope if you're a married couple, if you're a married person, I hope you're aware of what's inside of here. I hope you're aware, and maybe you even had conversation about what your hopes are and your dreams are and your desires are. But I have sat in enough marriage counseling to tell you that more often than not, that the problems, difficulties that we face, the tensions in our relationship, they arise because of what's inside of this box. And so let's just pull out a few of them, right? We all have hopes and dreams and desires about our piggy bank, about our bank account, how much money we're going to make, right? Man, I can't wait to get married. My hope, my dream and desire, now we're going to be a two-income household, and finally we can, like, make it rain, right? Like, we're finally going to have enough money, right? But maybe there's, a, there's another person involved, and their hopes and their dreams and their desires are actually, you know what, baby, money doesn't really matter. And so we don't need a, we can just live on love. And I'm like, yeah, right. We can just live on love. Man, I can't tell you how many I sit with that are like, you know, 18 or 19 or 20, and they're like, oh, love is sufficient for us. And maybe it is, and I hope that it is for you, right? But the world goes. And so we have these ideas. And maybe one person in this relationship, their hopes and their dreams and their desires is, you know, one day, one day, my hope, my desire is to be a stay-at-home mama. And so we would, we would need the ability to be a, a one-income family. And so we all have hopes and dreams and, and desires as it relates to our money, don't we? And then we all have this one, right? We all have our... You can tell I have young children. <laughs> we all have hopes and dreams and desires. One day... We're going to have that beautiful house. It's going to have the white picket fence. It's going to have an acre around it. It's going to have woods and three bedrooms and three bathrooms and in-law suite in the back. 
And the other person's like, no, 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 I want to live in this city, right? Like, give me just a flat. Let me put, you know, this is what I desire. This is what, we all have hopes and dreams and desires about where we're going to live, right? And here's, here's the one for many of us, right? We all have hopes and dreams and desires about babies, right? And she's like, oh, I can't wait to be a mama. I can't wait to have babies. I want 18 babies. Oh, my goodness, J.D., I'm so sorry. (laughs) We all have hopes, and he's thinking, okay, one day, one day I'd be okay with it. One day I'd be, but not right now. I mean, come on. She's already got all the babies named, right? And so we have hopes and dreams and desires about how many children. And if you come from a only child household, you want a whole litter full. You want a basketball team full, right? And when you've had three girls, you're going to try again because you want to have the boy. I have three girls. I was an only child. We all have hopes and dreams. and You know, here's the one, right? And this is as trivial as it is. We all have ideas, hopes, and dreams, and expectations of who's going to do what? Who's going to do the chores? Who's going to do the cleaning around here? Come on, somebody's got to clean that mess up. I'm not your maid. We all have hopes and dreams and desires of what this is going to look like, right? And then, oh, this, one, this one's tough right here. Let's, let's get the gloves on here for a moment, right? We all have hopes and dreams and about how we're going to fight it out, what the rules are going to be about the boundaries and, and how we're going to talk to each other and what that's going to look like and, and what this is going to be in the tensions. Listen, this is the way that conflicts were done in my household when I was a kid. This is what I saw. And so yelling and screaming and everything was okay. And the other person says, oh, no, that's not going to work in here. I have different hopes and dreams and desires than that inside of our relationship. We need to be on the same page about how we're going to deal with conflict, right? Here's one. This, this is not about who gets to be Batman. I'm Batman. This is not about who gets to be Batman. This is the only clock we have in our house, right? <laughs> I'm so, so This says a lot about us, right? Okay. So how we spend our t- How we spend our time, right? Man, this is a big one. This is a big one. We go into the marriage, and we make some real general assumptions about how my hobby time is going to be spent, like, right, how often I get to go and do and be with the fellas or go hunting or the things that I want to do or how often I'm going to get to go and do me and the hobbies and the way that we spend our time and how much time with friends or how much time going out and doing this. And we all come into it with hopes and dreams and desires on who gets to be Batman. how we spend our vacations, right? Like one of you like to go to the mountains, and I can't get this on time. One of you like to go to the mountains. One of you like to do the tropical thing, right? Hopes and dreams and aspirations. Let me, can I just like, let me just make sure there are no other, oh, and let me do this one beforehand, okay? What we're going to drive, like he gets this idea, oh my goodness, this was me, right? He gets this idea that finally we're going to have a little bit of money, and I'm going to, it might not be a yellow Lambo, but man, I'm going to get to drive a sports car, and what happens? I'm driving the minivan around. (laughs) What happened? I mean, okay, all right, all right, all right, honey, cover your eyes for this one, okay? Let me, let me tell you just for a moment, okay? Let Let me, fellas, we go into this relationship And we've got this idea of what married life is going to be, you know, right? And so there's these 
hopes and dreams and desires that we have. And so you've got this idea in your mind of what every night is going to look like and how it's all going to go. But then the reality sets in. And let me tell you what she's actually coming to bed wearing. Oh, it just, this is real. I'm so sorry, baby. I'm so This is my wife's sweatshirt from high school. What you doing wearing that in here? Come on. You can't wear that to bed. I mean, now we have four kids. Obviously, something happened along the way, right? And so the fellas, this is like, this is what I had in my mind right here. That ain't, don't throw stuff at me. Right, And so we come into this with hopes and dreams and desires, and we're all carrying this, right? This is what I come into the relationship with, and we all have those. Every one of us come into them having them, and, and there's some things that impact what goes into this box, right? And some of them were funny, and there's a lot that just wouldn't fit into the box at this moment, right? How are we going to treat each other? How are we going to serve each other? How are we going to love each other? How are we going to honor each other? We have an expectation. We have a desire. We have a dream. We have a hope for what that's going to look like in our relationship. And we carry this invisible box full of this stuff into the relationship. And there's some things that determine what goes in there. Most of the time, some of the time, it's things that were just, you know, kind of cultural things, right? And maybe it, was the, maybe it was the movies that you watched, what we've seen and what we've heard. Maybe it's the books that you've read. You know, maybe pop culture. Maybe some things that influence what, what goes in here, especially sometimes what we believe about this, right? This gets impacted a lot by pop culture and by the culture around us. More often than not, though, you want me to tell you what impacts what goes in your box? And you have a box. I mean, I have a box your experiences, what you've experienced in your life. And more often than not, what goes inside of your box comes directly from the context, from the environment in which you grew up in. Let me just take you here for just a second, right? And this is where it, it kind of, in fact, my community group, right? If you're in my community group, Several of you in my community group. On Wednesday night, we had great discussion about this. You guys helped me to write this part of it. And, and we began to have dialogue on what it was like, what marriage was modeled for you. What did you see when you were growing up? What did you experience, both inside of your home or around you and your relationships in close proximity? Maybe it was your grandparents' relationship. And we always do one of two things when we are looking at others and what we've experienced. We always do one of two things. We either try to avoid or we try to recreate. Boil it down, the simplest that it gets. We try to avoid or we try to recreate, right? There are some things, right, and we can look inside of our either our parents' relationship or maybe it was a close family member and we look at it and you're like, you know what? They do that so well. Their marriage is so beautiful. And maybe it's just this one part of it. Maybe you can't say it as a whole, but you see something about this one part. They do that so well. I'm going to adopt that. I'm going to borrow that. We're going to implement that in our relationship. And so what do I do? I put that in my box, right? This is my hope. This is my dream. This is my desire that one day I have relationship and I want it to look a little bit like this. Now, the sticky part of this is the other side of this, the things that we try to avoid. 
right? And so sometimes we see things or we've experienced things or, or, or that, that were not the way that you want them to be. They're, or way that people dealt with conflict. The way that there was a lack of honor or disrespect. Sometimes we see things and you know what we do? I'm not going to be like that. I don't want my parents' marriage. I don't want to be like my daddy. I don't want to be like my mama. We're never going to be like that. And this is the place where we begin to harbor something and we design a life around this idea. And my hopes and my dreams and my desires are now so that I can avoid having a life or marriage that looks anything like some of the things that we've seen. And so we're either recreating with our box or we're avoiding with our box. And it helps to determine what goes inside of there. And here's the thing about this, right? Whether I'm recreating or whether I'm trying to avoid the things inside of this box, who are they about? Me. These are mine. These are my hopes. These are my dreams. These are my desires. And I'm one half of the equation. And so what happens with this? We take our box and we go into our relationship and we have this thing that is all about me and what do we do with it? Here you go, honey. Here you go. And who do we give it to? We give it to our spouse, don't we? Here's my hopes. Here's my dreams. Here's the future that I thought we were going to have together. Here's everything that I hope our relationship would, could be. Here you go. And what do you get in return? Oh, they have a box too. Guess whose box you get to carry? Their box. Oh, well, let's just trade off. Here's my box and my hopes and my dreams and my desires. And they hand you your box. And here's what we say without actually saying it. Here's my box. Now make it come true. Here's my box. Here's my hopes. Here's my dreams. Here's my desires. Now make it come true. And if you're married and you've been through this, you've wrestled with pieces of this. And if you're not married, you're still figuring out what's in your box. And it's a good thing to figure it out. Figure it out before you get married and have conversations about what is in your box. Let them know up front, this is in my box. This is in my box. This is my dreams. This is my hopes. This is my desires. Many of us have gone into the relationship without ever talking about the box. And now we've traded them off and we've given them the box but it doesn't feel like hopes and dreams and desires, does it? Oh, no, it doesn't. Man, this box is heavy. This box comes with a lot of responsibility. This box, man, I, I feel like it's, it's a burden. And, and, and I feel like if, if I don't produce these things for you, then you're going to be disappointed in me. And this box begins to feel a lot like expectations 
And there becomes an expectation of the person that's inside of our relationship. In all of us, every single one of us have a box, and that box contains expectations. And we hand those expectations to the person that we're in relationship with, and we say, I expect you to make these things come true. Let's talk about expectations. And so here's what it says. Here's here's how we're going to define it, okay? Expectations right here. The strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. It's the strong belief that something will happen, maybe not now, maybe it's not in this moment, but one day, not yet, we're not there yet, right? We can't, we can't get that house yet. This is my dream house. This is one day, we're going to save enough money, we're going to work towards this, we're going to make this happen. One day that's going to be the case, but today, you know, one day, And this is where we keep hoping that they're going to become this image of this husband or she's going to become the image of this person, this spouse that you desired for her to be. One day, listen, he's working on it. She's working. Just pray for him. They're they're working on some change. They're going to bless their little heart. They're they're going through some. They're going to become different, right? And we've placed this expectation of change on the person. One day, we expect them to be different or things to be different. We haven't gotten there yet, but man, oh man, do we have expectations and we hold each other responsible for those expectations. And eventually, if you go long enough, in the beginning, they may make their life about your expectations. They may be able for a little while to carry your box around and actually do an okay job at it for a little while. But what happens in relationships, and this is where happily ever after becomes reality check, and oh my goodness, what have we gotten ourselves into? And expectations go unmet. Unmet expectations. Eventually, it becomes the problem that you and I in every marriage, in every relationship, we'll face this, and we will make a decision on what to do. We'll make a decision. And so what do you do? What do I do in your relationship when there's unmet expectations? There's just a, there's a handful of them, and I'm going to generalize them for you. When you have unmet expectations, we do... A few different things. And the first one is the cop-out. As we leave, right? Like, listen, this is not the dream I had. This is not the desires I had. This is not what I signed up for. Your box is too heavy. You're not fulfilling my box. I'm not satisfied in this relationship. I feel like I, I don't know. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't do, I'm out. And then we end up in divorce court and, and we leave. When unmet expectations continue to happen over time and we're making it about that and we can't see past that, then that's one thing that we do. And many people in our culture choose this option. Many, many people choose this option. A second thing that happens when the expectations are unmet is we do our best to win. Usually, and not all the time, in a relationship, there's usually like that stronger personality like that dominant personality type that just kind of makes itself known and it kind of is just pushing towards this. I see some of you elbowing each other right now. You're probably the one in the relationship. 
And so what happens in this moment is the dominant personality begins to make itself known and begins to vocalize itself, and it begins to, at all costs, it decides, I'm going to win. It's my box. Listen, and they try to convince you that you just have the wrong box. You have the wrong dreams. You have the wrong desires. You're in the wrong. You need to come over to my box. Listen, I need you to just carry my box for a little while. I can't carry your box right now. Let's just carry my box. And so what happens along the way is we're trying to convince them. We try to coerce them. We try to control them. We try to manipulate them. And we try to figure out ways where our hopes, my hopes, my dreams, my desires, I'm going to win. And here's... Here's the thing that happens in this. Because it's oftentimes the dominant personality, you know who's happy in the relationship? The one who's winning. The one who's getting their way. And they may not even realize what's happening. And there's another person, there's a partner, there's the other half of this marriage, this relationship. And this person, you know what's happening inside of their heart over time? Bitterness and resentment. Do you know that they actually begin to resent your hopes and your dreams and your desires? Listen, I'm going to just tell you, one of the things that were in my box, and it's not in my notes, I'm going to say, is I knew coming in, like when, when Jacqueline and I got married, I was going to be a pastor. I have hopes and dreams and desires, and for this, one of the things that I have to be very cautious about is what I do with my box and handing and any kind of expectations that come alongside this. And the thing that I want to protect is that ever, I hope that there is never where this dream or desire or hope becomes something that we would resent in my household or my children would grow to resent. And so I have to protect that. You have hopes and dreams and desires, and if you're not careful and you're trying to win and you're trying to push your agenda and your goals They'll end up resenting it in the heart. And more often than not, it's almost too late. I don't believe it can be too late. It's almost too late by the time it really all comes to the surface. You think you've been winning. Another option that happens when unmixed expectations, and this might be the other side of the coin, is there's a conforming that begins to happen. And so for a little while, if I have an expectation of what you're supposed to look like as my spouse, well, my mama did it this way, or my daddy did it this way, and this is the way that it was supposed to go. Again, for a little while, you might figure out how to conform inside of that, but ultimately, you're going to begin to feel disrespected and a lack of respect. And men, like this is the thing that you know, women want to feel this, love and honor, right, for you, respect and honor are at the height of this. We begin to feel over time like we're conforming to something that we're not, and it begins to create problems inside of the relationship. Another thing that we do, and this is where so many of them end up, and ultimately somewhere we decided that this was actually the goal of marriage, is that we compromise. And when you just read this, every relationship has to have a give and take, right? And so I'm not saying that. But somewhere along the way is we begin to make enough compromises to where we're not feuding, we're not fighting, but like I said last week, there's just no passion, there's no drive in the relationship, and now you're sitting next to a complete stranger, and there's no zeal for what you're doing, and you've come to this place in your marriage, and you're not going to quit on it, 
you're going to go until death do us part because that's just your marriage, right? And you're fighting for the marriage, but nobody gets married to be married. They have something inside of them that says, I dream and desire and hope for something substantial and significant. And we're all the while fighting for the marriage of it, right? And we've compromised along the way till we come to the point where it's like, okay, we can, we can be in agreement. You do you and I'll do me. Right? I'll bring 50% to the table. You bring 50% to the table. As long as you're doing your half, I'll do my half. But what happens when the other side of it's not doing their portion? One of the best things I got in marriage counseling was, listen, Daniel, no matter what, you think 100 or 50 plus 50 equals 100%, wrong answer. Wrong answer. You want to go and have a whole marriage? You bring 100%, 100% of the time. It does not matter what she's bringing to the table at that moment. You are responsible to bring 100% of you and your energies and your efforts and your passions to the relationship. You do not get to have a contractual relationship like you have with Verizon down the street. You don't get to have it. It's 100%, 100% of the time. This is what helps to create the happily ever after. And there's another option, okay? There is another option. And man, oh man, this one's good. I, I hope you'll be ready for this one. This one, this other option, this one is the game changer. This is the one that all of Scripture points at. This is the one that if you can make it happen in your relationship, that with it comes the fairy tale of the happily ever after. But here's the problem. We're going to talk about it next week. Next week, we're diving into a place that Paul's going to take us in Scripture that we're going to wrestle with. There's going to be tensions around. But man, oh man, if we can get this, it will be a game changer inside of your relationship. So I've got to go to this, fish, this option next week. And for the time that I have here, I want to frame a few other things that you have to have as a foundation for us to unfold this moving forward, okay? And so when we have this box right here, and this box becomes expectations. What we have to do is we have to, or what, what's happening in this moment is, is, is like a business transaction. It's like a debt-to-debtor relationship, okay? And so when I have expectations and I expect you to meet them, we have a debt-to-debtor relationship. And these will be on the screen here. Expectations create the debt-to-debtor relationship. And what I'm really saying by this is that when we go into the marriage and we expect these things, do you know what we're really saying to the person? You owe me. You owe me these things. Here's my hopes, my dreams, my desires. Now you have to make them come to pass. In fact, you owe me this. And so our expectations get put in place, and it begins to have this debt and debtor relationship. These are the things that you are supposed to be doing. This is what a good husband does. This is what a good wife does. And we stick that on them. And let me just ask you this question, right? Let me ask you a question about debt and debtor. If somebody owes you something, let's just say they owe you money, right? Or you've paid them for a job. How much gratitude do you express to someone when they actually come through for that. When you have a standard and you expect them to do something, 
They're in debt to you. They owe it to you. How much gratitude is expressed when they actually bring payment? Little to none. And this is a tension that happens inside of our relationship. Is that, and particularly the longer we're in the relationship, and I'm all for routine, I'm all for establishing who does what, these are healthy things, we all need them, who's going to wash the dishes, who's going to take out the trash, who's going to take care of the kids, who's going to get the kids to school on time, those are routines, those are part of it. But somewhere along the way, and this is what happens to so many of us, and I honestly like, this is where I, I wrestle with this, because this is where I feel a bit unqualified, because this is where my shortcomings come up, is... Somewhere in me, and I'm, I'm repentant to my wife for this, somewhere in me sits a degree of expectation. And it's a, you owe me this. This is your responsibility. This is your job. And I push that out there. I mean, it's not intentional. My wife knows how much I love her and how deeply I care for her. But what happens is that over time, let's just take this one, okay? Every Saturday... You know, my wife, she gets up you know, 6 o'clock most mornings, give or take a few minutes, sometimes before 6. And then even on, you know, all week taking care of our kids. On Saturday, her one day that she gets to sleep in, let me tell you where, where we are. She gets up and she starts her day and she cooks breakfast for all of our children. And then she starts doing laundry for four children plus me, right? Washing our clothes and folding our clothes. And what happens when routine goes into place, when our expectation goes, well, this is just what you do. This is just what you do. There's an expectation that gets done. There is such a lack of gratitude that happens. And, I, and I, I hate this. I mean, this is what happens for so many of us. And this is where in the hearts of the person that we're married to, it begins to be like, well, do they even care, right? When a debt and debtor relationship exists, it's really hard for love to be expressed. And I don't, I've struggled with how to communicate this. But when somebody owes me something, it's really hard for love to be expressed through washing of the clothes and folding of the clothes. I just expect you to do that. That doesn't say, I love you to me. That just says, you're doing your duty. You're doing your job. And the challenge for us, fellas, ladies, the challenge for us is that they owe us nothing. They owe you nothing. I just want to pose a couple questions here. What do we do with our hopes and our dreams and our desires? I mean, what are we supposed to do with them? Do we just pretend like we have no expectations whatsoever? Like, I, you know, baby, I don't care. We don't even have to live inside. We can live outside. You want to? We, you know, we don't, we don't have to have kids, you know, it's okay, we don't have to, and so I, you know, maybe I just take my hopes and my dreams and my desires, and I just, you know, I just, I just, you know, it doesn't matter what, money doesn't matter, you know, you just keep, keep wearing that sweatshirt, baby, this, you know, it doesn't have, she's now kept this around as a joke, by the way, this has officially been tabled in our life, um, it doesn't matter who gets to be Batman, where we go on vacation, or how we, we fix the fighting. Maybe, you know, what am I supposed to do with this box of expectations? Do I just pretend like they don't exist? Do I just lie about them? Do I just deny them? No. 
And in fact, guys, there's nothing wrong with these things in this box. And I want you to understand that. And we're going to talk a lot about this box next week and what to do with it. But the reality is that some of the things that are in this box, there's, there's nothing inherently evil or wrong about them. In fact, this is part of God's character in us, that we have these hopes and that we have these dreams and these desires. But what do I do with them? Well, for starters, you keep them in this box and not this box. And so what happens is we have to ask a question. What do they owe you? What does she owe me? And this is a, this is a hard part about relationships. What do they owe you? And the answer is nothing. This is not their direct responsibility, and we hand it off as expectation. And so what gratitude looks like is, baby, you don't owe me to wash my clothes and to fold my clothes. And every time I need clean clothes, I just open the drawer, and they just happen to be there. It's like magic, isn't it? She doesn't owe me that. And so the challenge for me is to be more conscious of this as we're inside of relationships. And so what do I do with that? What do they owe me? And here's what happy couples know, right? And I'm getting ready to pull a few thoughts together as we close. Here's what happy couples know. They know that they owe each other everything, but are owed nothing in return. Do you know what this really is? This is unconditional love. This is unconditional love. And this is one of the greatest challenges that you and I will face ever in relationships, in a marriage relationship, in a friendship, is to actually be able to have unconditional love. And this is where the thing kind of makes transition. This is where marriage begins to take on the nature of God as God designed it to be, right? It was not good for Adam or Eve to be alone, and so he created the helpmate, and he designed their lives to come together, and he designed them that two, and the mystery of it, would become one, right? And God's design was that it would become a reflection of his own character. Your life and your marriage is to reflect the very nature of God, and by that specifically, is to reflect the unconditional love characteristic of God. And so let me just ask you this question. What does God owe you? What did God owe you? Nothing. He didn't owe you anything. And yet, what did he do? And so Paul, in teasing this out, let me just give you a couple pieces, and we're going to really dig into this, and this is going to be so helpful for next week. So here's where, where God was designing marriage. He was talking about marriage, and Jesus comes on the scene, right? And at the point before Jesus had come, there were like some 100, 630 laws from the Old Testament, give or take a handful, some 630 laws, and Jesus comes, and they're asking him the great question. You know the story. Like, what is it all about? Can you just simplify it? Can you boil it down? And what does Jesus do? He makes it simple, and he says, hey, here's the two greatest commandments. Love God, love your neighbor, right? And then this language in another place where Jesus is talking, he says something very similar. And he says, I give you a new command. And this is in John 13, 34 through 35. He says, I give you a new command. Love one another. And how are you to love one another? 
as I have loved you. Can we say that together? As I have loved you. He says, I want you to love one another. And he's talking about all relationships. He's talking about brothers and sisters, places in the marketplace, places in the business context. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. I want you to love one another in such a way that it doesn't come with strings attached, that it is unconditional, that I don't come to you with preconceived expectations. I'm just going to love you, and I'm going to love you unconditionally. He says, as I have loved you, you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love one another. And so we see this idea of unconditional love. As I have loved you, so love one another. And then comes Paul, okay? Paul comes along the scene. And this is what Paul does so many times. Everywhere where Paul is talking, he keeps pointing people back to Jesus. He keeps pointing people back to the conversations that Jesus has had. And he's reframing and he's redirecting. And he takes these ideas, this new commandment that Jesus has given, and he applies it in every relational context that you can imagine. And so next week we're diving into Ephesians 5 a lot. But this is what it says in the first few verses. He says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as. Say, just as. Walk in the way of love just as. Just as. And this is where Paul really goes, and he takes it, and he puts it together. He says, do this just as Jesus has done this together. And so if we want a happy marriage... Here's how we're to go about this, right? We're to walk in the way of love just as Jesus has done. And what did Jesus do? He modeled for us unconditional love. He laid down his life. Walk in the way of love just as Christ has loved us. And so we drop this. We take this whole idea and we pick it up and we package it together. And while it applies to every single relationship under the sun, we take this and we put it at the very center of our relationship and something happens. Our relationship takes a different direction and it becomes a submission competition. It's a race to the bottom. It's a race to the back. It's a race to say, you know what? It's not about my hopes, my dreams, my desires. It's about me making you first in this. And something else happens when you have a submission competition inside of your relationship. We're actually taking on the very nature of God. And when God is at the center of it all, when our marriage and our life revolves around the way that Jesus did it, our hopes and our dreams and our desires... Something happens to them in a supernatural way. And that's right where we'll pick up next week as we talk about this submission competition. And so here's what I want to do. And it's not often that we do something like this, okay? Fellas, I'm going to give you one week out, right? So there's a little bit of homework. I don't really want you to leave here today and go and just sit and talk about the stuff that we've Unpacked. So there's no conversation needing to happen between you and your spouse today. And so, fellas, again, my wife made me do this, right? Here we go. The homework for you is to ask a couple simple questions. And these are questions just for you. And only you can answer them. Here's your homework. The first question is to ask, what's in my box? What's in my box? 
You have one. Newsflash, fellas, you probably don't pay attention to this, but you came into it. You have a box like this. What is on the inside of it? The reality is, if you're like me, then you might be going through your marriage, handing off expectations, and you're not even aware that that's what you're doing. And so what does it say to your wife? Women, you might be inside of your relationship and you're trying to hold him up to something, some dream, some desire, some hope that you've had of what it would look like instead of just loving him unconditionally for who God has made him to be. Yeah, he might be thick-headed. He might be still growing, and that's okay. The second question, the second part of your homework is ask the other piece, have I passed off my box? Have I handed away? And am I expecting them carry it? Have I given them the burden of my hopes and my dreams and my desires? And now I'm saying to them, you fill it or I come to a place of disappointment. And so that's what I want you to talk about today, this week. I want you to wrestle with these two things. Maybe you need to write them down. Maybe you already know them. Maybe you're aware of them. But this is a place, this is going to help you. What's in my box and what am I expecting because of what's in my box? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. Lord, you looked and you saw me when you said it's not good for man to be alone. I, I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. And so I'm, I am grateful that you saw fit to bring a helpmate alongside me. And I'm thankful for the blessing of marriage. And Lord, maybe we're in the room and maybe we're, we're not married. Maybe we never intend to be married. God, you speak so much blessing over that as well in your word. God, but those who are considering this relationship, the Bible talks so clearly about the weightiness of this, that we should consider it so carefully and so sacred that if we can't do it that way, then it would be better that we did not get married. And so, Lord, we desire the happily ever after. We have things that are in our heart that we dreamed that it would be a lot about. God, help us to see the things that we carry into the relationship, that what's in our box, help us to know what they are and why they are there and what we expect because of them. And help us, God, as we inside of our relationship make it about a submission competition God I pray for the unity of our marriages that are here I pray that you would strengthen them that you would bind them together and God that you would be invited to be at the center of those relationships in Jesus name we pray amen amen Guys, I know we kind of left this right here, kind of hanging in that moment, different than how a lot of our services are. And I, and I, I want to say this because I was feeling this in the moment here. And, and while we're talking about relationships and we're talking about marriages, and, and if you're not married in the room, I, I really want you to feel comfortable inside of this. There is no expectation. I know sometimes maybe culture might put that on you. If you decided that this isn't the season or if it's not for you or God just hasn't brought that person, you are right where God has designed you to be, Okay. I'm hoping that as we talk about this, if you desire that kind of relationship, that this would help you to prepare for it as well. And so I don't want you to feel left out. I hope this will add value to you as well. Let's stand to our feet together. This most sacred relationship 
is to be a direct reflection, a, di a direct mirror. And that kind of puts pressure, it feels like. But it's not our burden to carry. It's simply us deciding as husband and wife to put God at the center of it. And if you'll do that, he'll take care of the rest. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all of these other things will be added unto you. Have an amazing week. And don't miss next week. Don't miss next week. This is where we're going to really get into it.